If you don't know already, my name's Steve, Steve Jones, and uh, I'm going to be uh, taking the opportunity this morning to say a little bit about Easter. It's a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, It's the best day of the year to get baptized. Uh, It's the best day of the year to preach as well. I have to say, um, it's not very difficult to preach on Easter Sunday because the story's amazing. All you have to do is remember what it's about, and you're there. Um, I uh, don't know um, whether everyone... Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to pray, actually. I was about to launch in there. I'm just going pr- to pray quite a bit, perhaps, this morning. But um, there is a danger that this story, oh so familiar, washes over us. And I just want to pray that doesn't happen. <laughs> I want to pray that something better than it washing over us happens this morning. So, Lord God, we pray that you would help us this morning. We seek uh, not just to go through the routine of, ah, oh, Easter Sunday, yay. same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us today. And we pray that 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 surging resurrection power would be known by everyone here this morning, that you would bring us to life in a new way and open our eyes, just as the eyes of the first disciples were opened on that first Easter. Amen. Amen. Uh, Easter Day... Easter is, of course, the greatest Christian festival of the year. The other big one is Christmas, uh, when we celebrate Jesus' birthday. And I've noticed something that that people sometimes think about Christmas that they don't apply to Easter. I don't know whether you've noticed this, but um, people have often imagined what it would be like to miss Christmas. Uh, There's Charles Dickens who did so. Was Ebenezer Scrooge who missed out on Christmas because of his miserliness? Or uh, there's the Grinch uh, who stole Christmas from Dr. Zeus? Or uh, a little bit closer to home for those of us that live in Oxford with C.S. Lewis, there's Narnia where under the white witch's spell it was always winter but never Christmas. So people have often imagined what it would be like to be without Christmas. I thought it would be helpful for us to imagine this morning, uh, what would it be like for it to be always spring, but never Easter? What would that be like? Always spring, but never Easter. Uh, If you have um, found one of these on a chair near you, you might like to grab hold of it. You can take this away. (laughs) That's the point of it. Uh, as an ongoing reminder. But on here are uh, the words of uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, which is our text for this morning. Because this situation of thinking it's always springtime but never Easter was actually something that applied in one of the very first local churches right back in the first century in Corinth. Uh, There were a bunch of people there who called themselves Christians, but they weren't sold on the resurrection. And so Paul wrote to them, and this is part of what he said, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we're 
more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I want to pick out from that two key ideas that Paul is speaking about. And the first, the word is right there towards the end. It's the word hope. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we may have springtime, but we don't have Easter. Spring, of course, is, is a time of new beginnings, and we love it. I love, Easter. Uh, I love spring. I don't know about you. Uh, it, it makes us feel good. It's nice when the flowers appear and the sun is warm. But whilst the newness of spring is a marvelous thing, it's not enough. We only need to think for a moment of the new confidence that emerged in what became known as the Arab Spring in 2011, and to think of the crushing violence and the disappointment that has followed. Spring is not enough. It's great to enjoy the goodness of spring, but sooner or later, we'll notice that there are deeper yearnings lurking in our souls that will simply not be satisfied in this life. If our hope is only for this life, Paul writes, we're to be pitied. For example, there is in us, if only we will acknowledge it, a yearning for justice. Uh, There's a book in the Old Testament that describes life in this world, life under the sun, as it says again and again. It's called Ecclesiastes, and it is a piercing and a blistering read. I'd encourage you to read it if you feel like needing to wake up any time. It describes what life is like in this world if our hope is only in this world. Here are some of the things that it says. The author, who was rich, famous, and powerful, and had done many great things seen as achievements, said, there is something meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous get what the wicked deserve, and there are the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. So I reflected on this and concluded that no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad. That is, in this life, under the sun. The Christians in Corinth were being persecuted for their faith. That was their life in this world. And Paul says, if you're hoping for justice to be done in this world and for everything to be fixed in this world, then you're to be pitied. Because this yearning for justice, whatever instances of justice we see done, this yearning for justice to be done will never be satisfied in this life. A hope that is only for this life is not enough. There's a yearning for justice. There's also a yearning in us, if only we'll acknowledge it, to build something that will last to build something that will last. Often, perhaps most often, the desire to build relationships that will last and not be ravaged by age and time. 
We all miss our loved ones who've died. Uh, But if we hope to meet them again, what basis is there for that hope? Is there any basis for that hope of meeting again those who have died? Well, yes, there is. There certainly is. Christ is... Oh, good. We'll try that again. Christ is... He is. He is. He's risen from the dead, and he appeared to many people, and he has shown that death is not the end. And he is a reliable witness of what is to follow, what, what lies beyond this world, what is, if you like, above the sun, beyond what we can see. In the 620s AD, it's a little while ago, a Roman called Paulinus made his way to Northumbria, which is a fine thing to do. And there he found an audience with Edwin, king of the Angles, as in Anglo-Saxon. Found an audience with Edwin, king of the Angles, and he told him about Jesus Christ, about his death and his resurrection. Uh, Edwin sought the counsel of his fellow Angles, uh, who thankfully were not obtuse. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Here most Sundays. Uh, Yeah, and uh, some of you are going, what is, what? (laughs) Well, it's a maths joke. Uh, The first of these unobtuse angles to speak was Edwin's high priest. Uh, He said, he was the first to say that Christianity sounded a lot better than what they had already. And he offered to get on a horse and take a spear and go and stick it through the idol in their temple, get on with it, make a change. Uh, One of his noblemen, one of King Edwin's noblemen, clinched things by saying this, which was recorded for us by the Venerable Bede, who lived in the next generation. This is what his nobleman said, Your Majesty, when we compare the present life of man on earth with that time of which we have no knowledge, it seems to me like the swift flight of a single sparrow through the banqueting hall where you're sitting at dinner on a winter's day with your thanes and counsellors. In the midst, there's a comforting fire to warm the hall. Outside, the storms of winter rain or snow are raging. And this sparrow flies swiftly in through one door of the hall and out through another. While he's inside... He's safe from the winter storms. But after a moment of comfort, he vanishes from sight into the wintry world from which he came. The same way, man appears on earth for a little while. But of what came before this life or what follows, we know nothing. Therefore, if this new teaching, this Christian teaching, has brought any more certain knowledge... It only seems right that we should follow it. And they did. This this nobleman had grasped that without an understanding of eternity, the springtimes of this world are followed by the winter of death. 
He grasped that the resurrection of Christ changed that because it showed that all of the seasons of this life will be followed by an eternal daytime. Spring is a time of hope for new life. It's good, and we love it. Easter is a time of hope for a life that lasts, and lasts for all eternity. We have springtime, and we have Easter. Easter is not only about hope. Easter is also about freedom. Uh, Now, many of you will know, those of you who are part of the church will have heard me mention this next story before. Many of you will know that 35 years ago, I had a cousin, a cousin called Nigel. What I've not done before is show you who he is. This is my cousin Nigel, and that place is Goose Green in the Falklands. Uh, Nigel went uh, with the expeditionary force to the Falklands for the war He went to Goose Green, and he died on that battlefield under a storm of machine gun fire. As he died, he fell on top of his mate, Steve, and his body shielded Steve from the bullets and saved his life. From the fog of war, no one can tell what it is that Nigel intended. But one of my earliest memories was of going to Nigel's funeral and seeing a man called Steve whose life had been saved by another man's death. A man whose life had been saved by another man's death. Jesus' death was a death like that. Before Jesus died, he had said... I will give my life as a ransom for many. I will give my life as a ransom for many. That is, that his death would allow many people to go free. Jesus' death would allow many people to go free. And yet the day of of Jesus' death ended with no grateful survivors... (laughs) No one celebrating their newfound freedom as he was taken to a tomb. Because Jesus didn't die for military purposes. He died for spiritual purposes. The freedom that Jesus purchased with his death is something internal and eternal. Something internal and eternal. And he did it because he loves us. He did it because he loves us. I can say with every confidence, Jesus did this because he loves you. He loves you no less than he loves any other. He died for our freedom. You see, we're all stuck in patterns of thought and behavior that we wish to change but cannot change. None of us, I I don't know you all personally, but I know this is true for every one of us, none of us fulfill all of our good intentions. Even the ones that are absolutely right. We don't do them all. And uh, 
if only we'll listen to our consciences, they'll very quickly tell us so. And so I know that you know, this is a bit complicated, that what I'm saying is true. I know that you know that what I'm saying is true. None of us are all that we know we could be and all that we know we should be. And we have this thing called a conscience that responds to that with a feeling of guilt. And we go through life sensing that, trying to deny it. It's uncomfortable, holding it away, but it's there and it's true. That, that experience, is what the Bible calls sin. We've heard that word several times this morning and it's on, it's on this little piece of card the word sin. That is the stuff that Jesus claimed to be dealing with when he died. That's what he was after. If Jesus had stayed in the grave, then his death was merely one more inspiring tale in the annals of history. But he didn't. If Jesus had not been raised from the grave, then, as it says on that card, faith is useless and we're still guilty of our sins. There's a little promise in there, isn't there? That actually, if only he'd raised from the grave, we needn't still be guilty. Well, isn't it good news? (laughs) Because Christ is. He is. He is. And so we don't need to remain under that burden of guilt. There is a promise of forgiveness and a promise of freedom. Jesus' resurrection from the dead places him in a unique category in all of history. It gives him unique significance and it shows that he has unique power. And that resurrection from the dead is what convinced the first Christians that his promise of forgiveness and his promise of a deep internal freedom was valid and true. That's worth celebrating. That's why we've celebrated this morning. It's also worth embracing. Back to King Edwin of the Angles. King Edwin of Northumbria was baptized in the spring of 627 AD on Easter Day. That year, it was the 12th of April. Uh, roughly half a million days ago. He was baptized in the sea. The message that he had heard from Paulinus of Jesus' death and resurrection had brought him freedom. It had brought him hope, which sprang from the resurrection of Jesus. And the same message is being spoken today. And the same power is at work today, and the same hope is ours today, and the same freedom is available today. It is a good day. Uh, John shares a message with us about tough nuts. This morning, as he rightly said, is a morning for tough nuts to be cracked. I'm not talking about people. (laughs) not talking about cracking you. But the things that are in us, the things that we face. So um, I've actually finished speaking far more quickly than I thought I would, which I 
I take as the grace of God, and you're probably all grateful too. Uh, but I do feel like we need to be praying this morning. I'm going to take a moment to pray. I want to invite you, if you're facing a tough nut, whatever it may be, we'll pray in just a moment for the nut to be cracked. I also want to pray for you this morning. If this message of Easter has somehow made a bit more sense to you this morning than ever it did before, and as well as thinking, oh, that sounds quite good, you want in some way to embrace it, I'm going to pray another prayer for those that want to embrace it. It might be that you don't feel like either of those things is quite where you're at, but your interest is somehow a little bit piqued. Well, Edwin went and took counsel from other people who gave him good counsel, as it turned out. If your interest is piqued in some way by this message of Easter, you know the best thing that you can do is talk to other people. Uh, not many of us get very far from simply going away and thinking things through by ourselves, or even if we the good books that we might read. There's something about talking and gaining counsel that makes a huge difference. And gaining good counsel, thinking about who it is that perhaps knows a bit more about this Jesus and who might be willing to talk to us without being condescending or condemning. If you've got, if there's someone like that in your life, they could be a huge blessing to you. If you don't know anyone like that, um, well, come and find me and I will do my best to introduce you to someone that could be that kind of friend. But as I said, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for tough nuts to crack. I'd like to have a bit of a feel for how many people we're praying for this morning. So if you feel brave enough, you just want to wave enough of a hand for me to get a feel. Are we praying for two people or almost everyone? Okay. And um, is there anyone else who'd like to come and pray with me? Because it's not all about me. (coughs) Keith wants to pray. Keith and Rod, you come and pray as well. Why don't you pray first for these things? You've got the microphones. And then I will pray too. And uh, when they finish praying, they're not going to pray long, long prayers. A bit of guidance there. Um, (laughs) When they say amen, can we say an amen with them? Which says, yeah, we agree. Because we want to see the people that are around us and facing difficulties blessed and set free on this Easter day. Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, I'm reminded that you said that... uh, we would see even greater things than you did. And you gave your followers authority over sickness and fear and things that assail us. And we want to respond in faith this morning to that permission, that authority that you have given us. And to those facing what they see as tough nuts to crack this morning, things where there's been disappointment, things where things haven't worked out and that they want to see breakthrough. We want to declare that it's not us, but it is your power that is able to do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. And we want to speak a release of that power this morning in the name of Jesus over these situations that from this morning, things change. Yes. Not because we have clever words, but because you are the God of power who has raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power is at work in us. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you 
know us better than we know ourselves. And you know our tough nuts. And you know our sin. And yet, Lord, that doesn't disqualify us from your new life. Lord Jesus, thank you. You are our qualification. You qualify us. You qualify us to see those tough nuts broken and in the past. And Lord Jesus, we come and we say we want to leave those tough nuts behind today as we move forward in new life with you. Amen. Amen. And uh, before the service, some of us were praying particularly for depression. That is, for people um, struggling with depression, I want to pray. Lord God, for anyone here who's struggling with depression, and all of this joy is just doing their heads in this morning, rather than being a blessing, because of where where they're at. Lord, we pray that you would break through. We pray that you would plant a seed uh, this morning. Whether it's felt or not, I don't... Lord, what we care about is change for for those who are struggling. Um, Come in your mercy and compassion, I pray. Cause light to shine in. We speak against that depression and we ask for your mercy. We thank you that you promised to lift up your people and to take away despair and to replace it with joy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.